Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Nuggets have done it. They've cut the deficit in half yeah, with whatever. Key's Lakers. But Key did say Lakers in five, so that's still certainly mathematically possible if they can get game number four, which will be Thursday night, 9 Eastern on ESPN Radio, then wrap it up, and they'll be in the NBA Finals for the 32nd time. Jay Will joining us. Keyshawn, the Jay, real Will, Jay Will, and Dan. we got to make sure we do all the promos. Over. No, Keyshawn, that's the Jay real Will, Jay Will. <laughs> is that the real Jay Will? You're Jay watching Will. on ESPN News this morning, <laughs> NFL insider Dan Graziano is joining us. If you want to check out Jay's thoughts on the NBA, he'll be there with the countdown crew tonight for the Heat and the Celtics. That's on ESPN tonight. He's actually over on Get Up with Greeny and the Gang on ESPN. You see Dan on that program all the time. So it's essentially a little switcheroo with an analyst to be named later. We'll have to throw that in at the end to see how the deal will be completed. Home and home. Home and home indeed. Just 200 feet around the corner. So again, plenty of NBA talk to be had tonight and tomorrow with the finals, conference final series resuming. Dan is here. Great to have you here. He's our ESPN NFL insider. Earlier this morning, I would say the hottest topic that Key and Jay were really passionate about was an idea that for LeBron, as you know, I mean, Dan, you're an NFL guy, but you're a sports fan like everybody else. It's always championship or bust for LeBron James, especially at this point in his career, the last decade or so. If it's not a title, it's a disappointment. Are we sort of heading that same way with Patrick Mahomes, with the money that he got, with the contract he got, the expectations, the Super Bowl, the MVP? Two different points in their careers, one close to the end, one now just ascending. But is that an unfair thing to do to Patrick Mahomes? I think, I mean, obviously it's unfair, but I, I think it's his expectation and it's the Chiefs' expectation that, that they'll compete for the Super Bowl and, and win it as much as they possibly can in this window that they have. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's unfair because he's on, he's on the great team that has the continuity. He's bringing everybody back. The coaching staff has continuity on it. They, they're back. Uh, they had the draft pick that makes an instant impact, the first-round draft pick. If you're a defending Super Bowl champion, that's a, it's a rare thing to find. So, no, I think that's their intention is to win the Super Bowl again. The issue, of course, is that the last time there was a uh, repeat Super Bowl champion, Patrick Mahomes was nine years old. So <laughs> it, it's right. not easy to do. So, yeah, big picture. Is it unfair to ask it of, of anyone? Uh, yes. Is it unfair to ask it of, uh, to expect that this Chiefs team can do it? No, I, I think the, that's the team's expectation. I think it's Mahomes' expectation. Talk about versus LeBron. You know, if Mahomes doesn't win it this year, you're going to say, well, he's got a lot of time left. And LeBron, in spite of being superhuman, we have to figure he doesn't have as much time left uh, as, he, as he did when he was Patrick's age. So that, that's a big difference. But, no, it, the windows close quickly in that league. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And the Chiefs look great right now, but you never know what a year or two will do to, uh, you know, to, to the way things look. But as I would tell Jay, I'd say the same thing you, Dan. There's a number of teams that have those expectations of course. going into the season, right? I mean – that really have a legitimate shot, you know, where, where you look at Seattle, you look at the Rams, New Orleans, you know, Tampa Bay has gone out and got some pieces. So they really have high expectations. Kansas City, the Raiders are playing well. Uh, New England's playing well. So all of the, the expectations are there. I think it's unfair, though, to much like you said, to put all of that on Patrick Mahomes to match it with LeBron James that in basketball, one guy yeah. can win a championship. Well, in football, I could take you and align you and put you on the Indianapolis Colts. They may not make the playoffs, right? As one person where I could take that one guy in basketball and throw him on the team and they can go to the finals. 
if, with no problem at all. If if I'm if I'm on an NFL roster and I'm getting playing time, that team is not going to the playoffs. They, I mean, there's this <laughs> well, not, not going to happen. Not you so, per se, but yeah. an individual. So let's get that out of the way right now. But Mahomes and I are slightly different in terms of caliber of, of quarterback, and and I think because of that, I, I mean, we've grown to expect so much of this guy in such a short period of time, and so much of it is tied to the situation. Obviously, he's a brilliant talent, but the fact that he's he's with Andy Reid and that he's got all these receivers and that he's got a team around him. That, that knows what it's like to be a champion. I mean, how big a difference does that make in sports? We see it all the time. But right? how many teams have you seen covering that had everything around them yeah. and won the Super Bowl and didn't make the playoffs the next year? I think- and had everything around them with young talent and great and, and yeah. their defense is aligned and then – Nothing. No doubt about it. And, and look, I didn't pick – I picked Baltimore to win the Super Bowl. Who you didn't even list, by the way, when you're talking about teams with those expectations. Well, I mean, yeah, I be, got – yeah, right. Baltimore, so, Pittsburgh. So, to the point of how many there are. But, I mean, like, I, I think it's very hard to do it, and I think multiple things can go wrong. But I think this Chiefs team, more than any of those other teams you reference, is positioned – to, to do it because they didn't lose really anyone. And that includes, again, I'll say it again, the coaching staff. Usually no. when you win the Super Bowl, your coordinators yeah. are gone. Off to, and, and as we know, you know, fair or unfair, the, the coordinators for the Chiefs couldn't get a look. Uh, so that's good for the Chiefs. I mean, that's bad for Eric Bieniemy. good for the Chiefs, uh, that he's back and, uh, and that the group around Patrick Mahomes is pretty much the same. So usually for me, I look at a Super Bowl champion, guys go off and get paid in free agency, the coaching staff gets poached. That didn't really happen to the Chiefs. So I think they're set up a little bit better than a lot of recent Super Bowl champs are. That, that could be the case, talking about quarterbacks and Patrick Mahomes. Let me ask you about Philadelphia, the Eagles, their quarterback situation with Carson Wentz, who struggled a little bit here little bit. the last couple games. There's this chatter, obviously, of Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. at some point being inserted into the lineup. I personally don't think it's going to happen. What do you think? Well, Jalen Hurts is going to get on the field. We saw it a little bit this week. But it's not going to be as the starting quarterback, certainly not anytime soon, unless Carson Wentz gets hurt, which has happened, obviously. And and they want, you know, Jalen Hurts to be prepared in case that does happen. But they have an idea in mind for ways they can use Jalen Hurts, and they're going to start to experiment experiment with it as the season goes along. The question will be, of course, if something does happen to Carson Wentz, is Hurts the guy that goes in. Is he capable of taking over this quickly? And obviously, uh, the only way they're going to be able to answer that is to see it. Uh, but no, I do not believe that the Eagles are, are pondering benching Carson Wentz for Jalen Hurts anytime soon. I'll say this. They didn't draft Jalen Hurts in the second round because they thought he was going to be a Taysom Hill gadget player type. They think he's going to be an NFL quarterback, and so does he. But not necessarily in 2020, and not necessarily as just because Carson Wentz had a rough start to the season, are they thinking about making a switch? I, I, I'm sure there are plenty of fans that, that, that are saying it and want to because they're not used to this in Philadelphia, but uh, they're going to give Wentz a long leash, and, and frankly, they have to. His contract ties them to him for three more years at least. But is this something similar? Could it be something similar to Lamar Jackson, Flacco, where they kind of started inserting him into the lineup, doing some stuff, and then they finally said – Okay, even though they probably were ready to move on yeah. from Flacco, they were, and he got hurt. So that's the thing that put Lamar in it at first, and then they were pre- they were going to move on from Flacco after that year that they drafted Lamar at the end of the first round. They're going to build the offense around him, but then he won so many games that by the time Flacco came back, they they couldn't possibly sell it to the locker room like, hey, we're going away from this guy, going back to Joe because they had a losing record under Flacco that year. So. 
I think it's different because the, the Flacco at his at that point was at a different point in his career than Wentz yeah, is now. Yeah. The Eagles are really invested in Wentz, and it's in their best interest that he succeed. And really, big picture, you're talking about two weeks now. Big picture, they've seen more good than bad from this guy, and, and they believe in him. So I think it's a different situation than Baltimore was in with Flacco a couple of years ago. Dan, explain this to me. When are the damn coaches in the NFL going to learn to keep their mask on during the play, doing <laughs> the games? Millions of people are watching, yeah. and Sean Payton, Coach Sean Payton didn't look like he had on a mask, and John Gruden had the mask on but down on his yeah. chin. And he, the, both of those guys just got fined. The clubs got fined. We've seen a number of other coaches get fined several days before. Yeah, five in total, right? So – is this a deterrent? Is $100,000 enough, right? So I mean, I'm reaching out to people at the league this week to find out, like, what can happen? What's, they don't want to speculate on future discipline, but they're saying that, you know, these teams and these coaches have been put on notice and that there will be uh, a, a additional uh, accountability measures if they continue to violate the rules. So uh, reading into that, fines could get higher. Uh, I don't know if it's possible draft they could picks. suspend a coach or take draft picks. Again, the, the league doesn't want to speculate on that. But, you know, if the same coaches keep violating the same rule over and over again, we've seen it with players in the past, right? We find you, we find you, we find you, you keep doing it, we'll suspend you. I mean, whatever it takes. The league is serious about this. Uh, you know, look, they put a lot of rules in. So far, their COVID protocols have been working. And, and, and things are going well, and they don't want to disrupt that. So they feel like this is silly. Just put the mask on because it's not really affecting anything, and you know it's minimizing risk at a point where we can't. Can't put masks on the players while they're playing because you know they're going through stuff. That Why don't they just wear an Andy Reid mask? Just get yeah, the shield. and get some windshield wipers to take care of the, the problem. <laughs> I think they, they, they drilled a hole they can, in it this time. They can put that, that, that face shield yeah. on. That's an option for them. They just have to wear a covering. But um, I, don't, I don't think Andy's debut with that probably turned some guys off a little well, bit. Well, no, his last, last outing, yeah, they, they drilled a hole in it they, at the top. He had, I, I had some kind of spray or something that was like an anti-fog thing oh. that they used. So, so uh, everybody's figuring this out. But – yeah, I don't. I mean, these coaches are making what six, seven, eight million dollars a year, a hundred thousand dollars. You feel that, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you. But it, yeah. to me, it sends a a different message. It sends that I don't care about the money, right? Yeah. In, a, yeah. in a in a in a world right now where money is extremely important because of the pandemic, people yeah. have lost jobs. They, you know, people are struggling to pay bills. That sends a bad message. Plus, from a health and safety standpoint, it sends a bad message to me that I don't care. I'll do what I want to do. You know, that, that's just my opinion. Yeah, and I'm sure the league is concerned about optics. But when you look at what they've done, like, remember that there was a big uh, blow up over the rule. You can't have a postgame jersey exchange. Right. Right. Oh, well, why can we uh, battle it out, you know, on the football field in the game and then we can't exchange jerseys? After? The reason is because that's one more potential point of transmission for the virus. Right. So get as many of those out as you can. That, that and part that's, right there is like I, the I get it. I get it. Dumbest but, but thing it, ever. Like, it's like if there are, if there are eight different. You know, points of contact between players. Let's get it down to three, right? As, so, and the same thing with the coaches. Like, yes, they're being tested every day, just like the players are, just like everybody who goes into those buildings is. But, you know, the testing isn't one hundred percent. So, yeah. right. So, I mean, here you have something that you can do that will mitigate the risk, and that's very important to the league as it continues to try and undergo and finish this season, which is they still don't know for a fact they're going to be able to do. Minimize the risk. Fangio, Carroll, Peyton, Gruden, Shanahan, all on notice, probably Sean McVay 
as well. Dan Graziano joining us in studio, giving us the straight talk on the mask brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Dan, thank you so much. Uh, My pleasure. It's great to have Dan join us in studio here at the South Street Seaport. Let's keep the football conversation going. One of the best authors out there, New York Times bestselling author, wrote an incredible book on Tiger Woods, which I absolutely love from start to finish. We'll talk about that in a second, but he's here to talk more football. Jeff Benedict is the author of The Dynasty. And why is it called The Dynasty? Well, we're talking about the sports modern-day dynasty, the Pats, who over the course of basically 20 years have won six Super Bowls, 17 AFC East Division titles, and 16 straight playoff appearances. So that's why the title of the book is what it is. And Jeff joins us this morning on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. First things first, that's so intriguing about this book, Jeff. Think about all the people that have written books about the Pats and argued about the Pats. You got exclusive access in interviews with Belichick, owner Bob Kraft, and Tom Brady, knowing that you guys, those three guys to sit down, what was the biggest takeaway you got from having that trifecta that most people can never wrangle away? I was really trying to focus on the the triangular relationship between the three, because I think there's been so much focus on Belichick and Brady over the years, rightly so, as, as to who's most responsible for the dynasty. I think the missing piece in that conversation, though, has been the owner, uh, he's a lot less profile. He's, he doesn't have a ball in his hand. He doesn't wear a headset. But I think his relationship, his sort of father-son relationship with Brady and then his professional relationship with Belichick is sort of a hidden key or secret to the dynasty. And so I, I really spent a lot of time in the interviews focusing on those relationships. How challenging was it, though, to get all of that information to be able to even put in the book? <laughs> Very challenging, Keyshawn. That's a good question. Uh, appreciate that. It, it, it's First of all, it's just such a big story. This dynasty stretches longer than any previous dynasty in NFL history. It's twice as long as the Steelers, twice as long as the Packers, and, and quite a bit longer than the 49er dynasty. So there's a lot of material. But also there's a lot of other personalities and players from Drew Bledsoe to Willie McGinnis to Teddy Bruschi to Randy Moss to Rob Gronkowski, there's a whole cast of characters, and I thought it was important to also bring all of them into the narrative. So putting that all together was definitely a challenge. What what piece of information did you get that you didn't even know existed or we never heard of before? There were many pieces of information like that, but I would say starting with some of the things that Robert Kraft had to go through just to get this team. Uh, which was a 10-year odyssey just to purchase it. And then the difficulty of those first three years with Kraft and, and Parcells, hmm. it was almost toxic. It was it was an intense three years. But those three years were so critical to laying the groundwork for the arrival of Belichick and Brady. And specifically, I think if it wasn't for the Parcells, the three years that Kraft had with Parcells, it's very likely that Kraft may have never met Belichick and been impressed enough to offer him the head coaching job. How about that? So the opportunity that they may not have crossed paths and we may not have even seen this dynasty occur. One really interesting thing, and we're talking to Jeff Benedict, author of The Dynasty, looking back at the dynasty, the modern-day dynasty of the New England Patriots. I thought this was really an interesting perspective, and maybe this shaped your narrative differently or just the way you think about things. You've never really covered the Pats. Um, And I've even heard you say you're not really that big of a football fan. So how did that perspective going in versus the hardcore sports writer or sports fan affect the way you looked at this book? Well, that's a good point. I'd never covered this team before. I'd never written about them. Uh, Never been to a game as a journalist. 
I'd certainly been to Patriots games, but not as a journalist. And so I really did come into this with no preconceptions about the team, the franchise, uh, or the key individuals that I wanted to focus on, Kraft, Belichick, and Brady. Obviously, there's been a lot of controversy that's followed this team over the years. I was familiar with all that, but my approach going in was I really don't know anything other than what I've read, and usually that's just superficial surface stuff. And so it was an opportunity for me to just go in with an open mind and start learning from the beginning. And I think the access to the principles, to the to the guys who actually built this dynasty, allowed me to tell the story, not from my point of view, but from theirs. Jeff, can I ask you a question, though? Because you said built the dynasty, right? As if the dynasty is over because one part of the dynasty is no longer there, but two pieces of the dynasty still is, which is Bill Belichick in the Kraft family. So is the dynasty over? Um, that's a good question. And I, let me just clarify that the way I define dynasty in the book is a core nucleus of owner, quarterback, and coach. So when you look at the Packers, the Steelers, the Niners, and then this franchise, the, this nucleus of Belichick, Brady, and Kraft lasted 20 years. That's longer than anyone else has. The question now is, you know, can they continue to win? I think they certainly can. They still have the best coach, perhaps in the history of the game. They have the greatest owner in modern time, and they have they still have a great roster. So, I mean, it remains to be seen whether they continue to string it out, but I think it's very possible that they will. Jeff Benedict, author of The Dynasty, is joining us on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. One of the great takeaways in your book, you mentioned Bob Kraft, and he was a little bit lower profile. Bob Kraft rolled up, became a season ticket holder in the early 1970s, I believe 1971. The team was a pretty new team at that time as well. Can you kind of take us through the challenge that he got there in 71 and everything that he did. Remember, he was just a fan back in 71, a fan that bought the team and the sort of evolution of a guy that's been as important to this as anybody. I think the fact that he sat on cold aluminum benches in Foxborough year after year with his sons, surrounded by other, you know, blue-collar fans that were in the stadium every week, watching this team, for the most part, lose and get beat. And at the same time was watching the team's financial fortunes get worse and worse. His desire or dream to acquire this team was was really rooted in the fact that he thought he could do a better job with this organization than was being done at the time. And so he sets out to get it. And it, it starts with getting the parking lots that were around the stadium. He acquires 300 acres. Then he buys the stadium out of bankruptcy, paid a lot of money to do that. But that gave him the leverage to eventually acquire the team. And at the time, he paid more money than anyone had ever paid for a professional football franchise. And he bought the worst one in the NFL. So it looked like a terrible move. But all of these moves were calculated on his part. And obviously, it turned out to be brilliant because within a matter of a few years, they were in the Super Bowl against the Packers. But more importantly, they were building a core And they were changing everything about their philosophy as an organization. If you look at them today, since Kraft has bought the team, they're now the most successful team on the field over the last 25 years. And financially, there's only one team, the Dallas Cowboys, that's worth more money than them. Jeff, we just got one minute left. You wrote a tell-all incredible book on Tiger Woods, as I just mentioned. What's the biggest thing you took away from all the research in that book on a figure like that? 
just the what it takes to be the best in the world at one thing. And Tiger Woods is that. And I think what he had to go through, what he had to sacrifice and the, the ferocious competitor that he is. And actually, to me, there's a linkage between that and the Patriots. Obviously, the Patriots book is about a whole team. But there's a lot of parallels between what what Tiger did to become the best in the world and what the Patriots organization has done to become the best in their industry. Great point. Collective and individual. Uh, I want to mention that if you're interested more in reading the dynasty, uh, Jeff is going to be on a virtual book tour this month, including Friday, which will be your next opportunity. So you can log on to his website and check that out for all the dates. Really appreciate you joining us this morning, Jeff. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank Jeff. you. Uh-huh. Thank great, you. Great insight because he had the insight of the three most important people. No, he did. And that's that hard dynasty. to get. Imagine having to get Belichick to agree to do it. Mr. Kraft probably would do it. And to some degree, uh, Tom would do it. But to get Bill to do it is right. like pulling teeth. That's the big one. That's for sure. Really interesting insight. Still to come, he's guy. Back, man? Jay back. Jay's back, by the way. I'm here. What? <laughs> All right, just make he's, sure. My he, name is second on the show. I'm here. I didn't say where your name was at. I, I know, but you just saying. remind me that your name's first. Hey, listen. I man. didn't say that, man. It's a self-esteem <laughs> crusher for me. You can put my name under Zubin. No, I don't care. No, you would not like that. Huge self-esteem hit for me. Huge. <laughs> guess who's after your name? Me. Still to come. <laughs> Jeez. Keys guy. <laughs> coach proud. From USC <laughs> to LSU to national championship. Don't remind me. Coach O is next. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. The podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. It's a pleasure now to be joined on the Shell Pennzoil performance line by LSU head coach Ed Ogeron as we continue our football discussion this morning. I saw Coach O on the sidelines last year winning a championship, then I saw him Sunday on my TV on 60 Minutes. He has burst through. He's not just a sports guy anymore, but Key, before he got to LSU and burst through for that national championship. Don't remind me. You got to know him pretty well. He did a great job running USC on the interim basis. A- absolutely. What's up, Coach O? What's up, Key? Hey. You were right. I should have recruited Michael Thomas. I, I couldn't wait to tell you that, man. You were right the whole time. Well, you know, <laughs> hey, man, every now and then I'm right about some things. And every now and then in recruiting, mistakes are made. But you did recruit somebody that's close and dear to both of our hearts. Thanks for taking care of Coach Robinson and making sure that he had a great landing spot. 
Thank you. Hey, what an honor to have Coach Robinson, as you know. Hey, you should see him when we go 907, man. I got to pull him. He wants to get in the drill. I'll say, Coach, you can't be in there. You can't be in there. No, but, uh, no. He, I, he, he's such a, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, no, It's a good. it was good to see him stand on the sidelines with you last year. That's for sure. And you know what, Key? He helps me out. You know, Monday and Tuesday, you have about 10 pointers for me. Uh, he does a great job of evaluating the team. He helps our coaches out. Obviously, he can't coach, but he looks good. I think he's 82 years old. He looks great. Uh, you know, when um, I told him, I said, Coach, you know, the guys come in the office about 6 in the morning, leave at 10 o'clock at night. You don't have to follow those hours. He's been here every minute every time of every day. So I'm very impressed with Coach Robinson, as we all know we love him. And real quick, Key, just so our viewers that may not know, our listeners do not know, John Robinson, former two-time coach at USC, had a couple of different stints there now in his 80s. Just wanted to mention that for some of the younger folks. Yeah, so Coach O, you're getting ready to defend that national championship. A number of your players obviously got drafted, went on to the NFL Heisman Trophy winner, Joe Burrow, and also this year, Jamal Chase deciding that he was going to opt out and go to the NFL how are you going to replace that talent, even though I know you probably got talent? How are you going to replace that to defend that national championship? So first of all, Keith, we learned a lot from those guys, man. Those guys were champs. And uh, hopefully the younger guys, of which I know they did, especially Miles Brennan, uh, sat in the wings, watched Joe lead this team, watched Joe come to work every day. And Miles has picked up as far as the leadership that Joe has brought. Miles has brought that to our football team. We have some great young receivers, obviously, Missing Jamar Chase, obviously missing Justin Jefferson. We're going to have to replace those guys. But, Keith, we got a young tight end named Eric Gilbert. I want you guys to watch. He's 6'5", 250, a great player. Kayshawn Boutte is a great receiver. Coy Moore is a great receiver. Then we have Terrace Marshall. I do believe we have three great running backs, and Chris Curry, Tyron Davis-Price, and John Emery. So we feel that we got some firepower. We feel that we got some great young athletes. But, again, the team chemistry – and how they react throughout the season and get better is going to be key. Coach O, it's Jay Williams here. I, I first wanted to say just thank you for being very transparent with the public, with the fans about, you know, obviously all the things that you guys have been going through as it relates to COVID. This has been a strange off season to say the least. Uh, what was the most difficult part of getting through the pandemic to this point, a couple of days away from you opening your season? Well, I think is not seeing the team for 11 weeks. I seen our coaching staff. I was by myself in this office, and it was, as we all know, everybody was staying home and not seeing the team. But I've got to give it to our coaching staff. We had meetings, Zoom meetings with our players. Our players worked out. They came back and they were in great shape. So I think that was the the longest period right there. But as soon as we got the players back, to see them start working out, to see them start developing, everything has worked out fine. When when you look at the way things are going for you right now, Coach O, and Jay Will mentioned the pandemic. How difficult has it been with everything in terms of recruiting pushed up to December, pushed back to yeah. February, just the whole recruiting yeah. process? Yeah, it's just a different time. You know, uh, the one good thing about the recruiting is that, you know, we, we have uh, uh, 18 commitments right now. We have a great class because of building off of the national championship, and we have unlimited phone calls. So we had a lot more time to – talk to the parents and all that stuff. We've had some people come visit us unofficially. I think we had 20 uh, players come on their own, come to Baton Rouge, uh, some of the top players in the country. So we made adjustments just like everybody else. Now, the only thing that's difficult is we have to do our evaluation strictly off of film. There was no spring ball. There was no camp. And there's no senior film. As we, as you know, some guys get better a senior year. We won't get a chance to see that uh, in person. 
Coach, a, a lot of everybody has to be fluid during these times. Games are getting canceled left and right due to COVID. How do you think the college football playoff committee will actually evaluate who will belong in the college football playoffs? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know that. Uh, I, I really don't. As you say, it's very fluid. Uh, we take it one day at a time here. Hey, today is uh, turnover Wednesday, and mm-hmm. uh, we fired up Mississippi State's coming into town. And, you know, as soon as we take care of business, uh, I'm sure that they're going to make the right decision. You mentioned Mississippi State coming to town. You take them on Saturday, 3.30 Eastern. But also, Coach Mike Leach and obviously one of our good buddies, Lane Kiffin, is back in the SEC to call some noise. How excited is this for this conference? It's great. You know, you come to the SEC, you want to compete against the very best. I believe that some of the very best athletes, not all of them, but some of the very best, are in this league. That's where they come to play. And they're coming from California. They're coming from New York. They're coming from Florida. They want to compete with the very best. And then you have some of the greatest coaches in uh, in football. I mean, every week you have great coordinators, great line coaches. And so it's just a challenge every week. And those guys are going to bring – Lane's an excellent coach. Coach Lee's an excellent coach. Uh, they're going to bring different challenges. But it's part about – it's all part of playing in the SEC. You want to play the best. No doubt about it. We are speaking, of course, I'm sure you know, to LSU head coach Ed Ogeron. Coach O is the author of Flip the Script, Lessons Learned on the Road to a Championship. You know, you mentioned Miles Brennan, Coach. I know, if I'm not mistaken, Miles Brennan was the first player you ever got at LSU, and now he steps in that you personally recruited, signed to a scholarship, and now he steps in to try to replace only the greatest statistical season in the history of college football. I don't say that lightly. Tell us about this kid for our listeners and viewers that need to know something about what this kid's made of. Miles is a fighter. Uh, you know, Miles was recommended to us by Brett Forrest. Hmm. And uh, he's at St. Stanislaus and breaking a bunch of yards. We went to see him play. We loved him. The Brennan family's from New Orleans. Great family. Great makeup. Great character. And, you know, Miles, you know, he waited his turn here, just like all the great quarterbacks. They they spend some time and they get better. And he came to us. He was 170 pounds. Now he's 218 pounds. He's mature. He's a leader. He has a very strong arm. He's quick with his feet. Uh, You know, the the thing that we told Miles, and and he feels, he knows that I believe in him, and the team believes in him, and the coaching staff believes in him. And we just want him to be the best. Miles Brennan that he can be. We're not going to compare him to Joe, Joe Burrow now. If he's like Joe Burrow, I don't think everybody, anybody's going to be upset, I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Other than the other 13 teams in the SEC, if that turns out to be the case. <laughs> we should quickly mention again, Coach O is the author of Flip the Script, Lessons Learned on the Road to a Championship. You said Miles Brennan was worth the wait, and for LSU fans, it was worth the wait too. Their first appearance in the college football playoff Yielded a championship, and it was led by Coach O. Thank you so man, much. Man, that for- should have been our damn coach. <laughs> He's still upset about uh, it. <laughs> Thank you, Coach. All right, man. Hey, guys, love you. Keyshawn, love you, man. Love, all right, love, love you too, boss. Yes, sir. All right, man, go Tigers. Had to get the go Tigers in. And, again, if you want to see more of uh, Coach O, uh, he was on 60 Minutes this weekend, and that just goes to show. I mean, yeah, he's huge in the sports world and that distinctive voice. I think a lot of our listeners and viewers know who he is. But to catapult himself outside of the sports realm and to go on a show that millions of people watch, one of the highest-rated shows in all of television after all these years, Coach Throw has really broken through. This was a dude that was 10-25 and 25 at Ole Miss, and they said, never give this guy another opportunity. No, but that wasn't true. What did he say? He said, I learned how to delegate. I was doing too much at Mississippi. Mm. I learned to trust my coaches 
and everything worked that out. That was his first head coaching job at Ole Miss. And then when he took over, he came back to USC, obviously, to be Pete Carroll's uh, basically recruit coordinator, defensive line coach, did a terrific job at producing a lot of number one picks and recruiting guys. And then when he and Lane got the job and he became the interim head coach, he should have gotten the head coaching job. But mm-hmm. because many people, our university is weird. Which is, we're just weird. Let's just face it. And people that were in charge of making decisions to hire coaches didn't like his appearance and his voice. And mm-hmm. so that was like the deciding factor, and one of the deciding factors, to not hire the damn man. And, and people like me and others was like, dude, what are you doing? Look at his record. Like, the what are you? They're responding yeah. to him. Right. And then he goes to LSU, and the rest is history. How about that? And then he takes our coach, John Robinson, who was working for the university to LSU with him this past year, Hmm. and they go on to win the national championship. Like he said, Coach Robinson's 83 years old and still – in the middle of everything, in the mix, and helping Coach O with everything. A legend. A legend. We always say, never judge a book by his cover, yet we always judge books by the cover. Fair Isn't enough. interesting? It's fascinating. And for I'm, him, ha- I'm happy for him, though. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy for him. And, look, I don't know him, obviously, as well as you know him, Key, but one of the things I do know about head coaches, and you talk about delegating, mm-hmm. a lot of times you know, head coaches are like CEOs of companies. People don't recognize this. From all the things that you have to do, you know, to managing uh, personnel players, assistant coaches, recruiting, uh, you know, working with the schools, all the aspects of it. It's just not – it doesn't come down just to X's and O's. It's a full-time gig with a lot of responsibility, and it's stressful 24-7. No question Well, he it. wanted to – when he was at Ole Miss, though, he, he was a younger coach, and this was his first opportunity as a head coach. So Coach O wanted to flex his muscles. Mm-hmm. Even when he – because he was coming off a high and mighty – at USC, winning national championships sure. and in the mix every single year. So when he got that old Miss job, it was like they can't tell me nothing, and then it didn't go. It didn't go so well. Ten and twenty-five, but he has turned it around, and that's why sometimes whether you're Bill Belichick or whether you're, uh, you know, somebody like Coach O or Nick Saban, that second go around can really be the one that really catapults. No, you. It, it it is true. It's so funny because when we. He came on with the first thing he mentioned that he made a mistake yeah. because he didn't recruit my nephew when he was at USC. They, you know, in the recruiting process, it was one of those deals where they had only take they were only going to take like two or three wide receivers. Right. And I'm like, dude, them dudes ain't close to him. What are right. y'all talking about? And Lane was like, well, we already got these commitments. I'm like, I'm telling you. And then it turned out Lane wind up having to play against him at Alabama That's in the right. semifinal game. And then so it was just like. One thing led to another, another. So every time I'm talking to Lane or Sark or Coach O, first thing they say is, man, we sure did screw that one up. Yep. I Sark. go, well, you miss. It, <laughs> it happens. happens. It, it happens, happens to everybody. Sark, the former head coach, Steve Sarkeesian. Still to come, a poignant end to one of the most iconic relationships in the history of sports. That's on the way. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Subin, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit... Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. The legendary Gale Sayers has passed away at the age of 77. Known as the Kansas Comet, burst onto the scene with the Chicago Bears, ended up in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He was 77 years old, passing away. He had been battling dementia for years. A legend. His injury-riddled career Despite not being able to play in a ton of games, his nature, his stats were prolific, and he is a member of Canton and forever a member of the Chicago Bears family. There are tributes pouring in all morning long. Gail Sayers, the Kansas Comet, dead at the age of 77. And for a lot of our younger viewers that may not realize this, this is a trip down memory lane, and this is something we should discuss. It's Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance as the NFL's lost a legend this morning. Um, there was a movie made, boy, we're nearing 50 years since this movie was made. It was called Brian's Song. It was a made-for-TV movie, and it was about the relationship between Gail Sayers, who died this morning, and Brian Piccolo, his teammate, who eventually died of cancer. Gail Sayers was black. Brian Piccolo was white. And the movie was about really the iconic relationship these two shared, especially after it was announced that Piccolo had cancer. There were two relatively unknown actors at the time that played these two guys in movies. If you're old enough, you'll remember both of these guys and say, wow, they were unknown at the time. James Caan, the great mm-hmm. actor, played Brian Piccolo, and Billy D. Williams ended up playing Gale Sayers in that movie. And I think back to everything that's going on in this country today, key with race relations and everybody getting along. And there's a little bit of serendipity when you think about 50 years later, sure, not much has changed in a lot of ways, but for a whole new generation of people to learn about these two fellas coming together in a made for TV movie, which was based on a real life relationship. Uh One of those two giants is gone. And that was long ago with Brian Piccolo. And now the other giant has died with Gail Sayers. And so as a kid, I remember watching the, you know, having an opportunity to watch the movie several times since then, but tearjerker, man, you gotta. Yeah, get, no, I was. Uh, yeah, ooh, that's what even I'm like, for guys, man. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was one as a kid. You know, it was. It was sad, but at the same time, it was scary for me because I'm still young. Yeah, you're so you didn't yeah. really couldn't grasp the, exactly what it was, but you also knew. Growing up, you wanted to be a football player, and you wanted to be in those in that room and be a part of that family and that. That, that 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 family NFL and all those things. And then when you look at what Gail Sayers did was give that award mm. to his teammate, you know. The speech, everything. And the speech, if you remember, the, whole, the whole thing. And so, you know, watching him as a player, obviously I didn't get a chance to watch him as a player, but I've seen highlights and, and over time and over years. And I remember when I was getting prepared for the draft or, or doing the draft when Reggie Bush was coming out, mm. Reggie was compared to – Gail Sayers because of the slashing moves and the things that he was able to do. And it and now that I'm seeing these highlights again, I'm like, man, Reggie did have some of that. He certainly had some of that Gail Sayers sort of stuff, the cutting back against the grain, making people miss. And so I had an opportunity to meet Gail Sayers probably, 
oh, 10 years ago or so mm. down at the Hall of Fame. And, okay. and so I was just like, you know, you know how it goes when you meet somebody yeah. that's like you're bigger than life. You're right. like, yeah. wow, that's Gail Sayers. And so it was a great conversation. And be very transparent with you guys uh, as my mic was off again. Um, but I didn't really know a lot about Gail Sayers until I heard you guys started talking about him. You know, I've been a student of the game of basketball. Mm-hmm. I love football, but I haven't been a student of yeah. the history of football. But I, I do have to tell you, you know, understanding what that story was mm-hmm. and the fact that he would give his trophy to a teammate that inevitably passed away, like that, that's so moving. Like that's, a, that's one of the most amazing things about the brotherhood, that the family that you have within sports, right? Like you, you get all these accolades that come your way, Keyshawn, but at the end of the day, if you're not playing for each other, what are you playing for? Well, much like Zubin said, though, what we're dealing with, in today's world and society to kind of see that, you know, a black player, white player, there was no division in the locker room. There was no hatred in their hearts. Right. And so that there as let alone people need to go and find a movie to really understand that is the way it should be. And not the way that we've been living here for the last however many years. I'm going to go watch the movie today. You can watch it on YouTube. It's everywhere. Uh, it, it was a t- made-for-TV movie, so it actually had eight Emmy nominations. It won. Make sure you get your yeah, tissues. Get some Kleenex. Really? We've got yeah, Kleenex sure, as our yeah. sponsor here. Get some ready for some tissue. Uh, it had eight Emmy nominations because, as I mentioned, it was a made-for-TV movie, not a feature uh, major motion picture, but it won four Emmy Awards. And also, um, right after the movie aired, if you want to be interested in, in addition to just watching it, Sayers' autobiography, you can go read it. You can go pick it up. It's called I Am Third, and that book soared in sales, obviously, right after the movie aired. So if you're new to it like Jay or somebody younger, you can watch the movie Brian's Song. You can find it anywhere or pick up Gail Sayers' autobiography, I Am Third, a football legend dead at the age of 77. But Key, you're right. The waterworks are going to come out a little bit. It's, it's a really tough movie to watch, but it's truly inspiring. And the best part about it, it really happened. Yeah. Incredible. That'll do it for this edition of Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Our sympathies to the family of Gail Sayers. We're back to talk sports with you, as always, every weekday morning, tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Eastern, right here on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.